Iowa everywhere. Chris Williams. Chris. Chris Hassel. Two guys named Chris. Presented by Fairway Meat and Grocery. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. What's up? Happy Monday. It is basketball season. Let's go. Jeez. Tip off tonight. Two guys named Chris. Here on Iowa Everywhere, we are presented by our friends at Fairway Meat and Grocery. We come to you live every Monday and Thursday on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. I think that's it. Here Threads? on, we're in the Channel Seed Studio. Yeah, you can't do it on Instagram. We would like to do it on Instagram. How about should how we? About uh, Abel? Should Abel's we go to, favorite blue pill? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> should we go to Twitch next? What do you think? Well, we got it. We. we Keep uh, we are everywhere, you know. We're in the Channel Seed Studios. Chris Williams, Chris Hassel, Maddie Van Winkle was a mere inches from Brock Purdy's Musk this week. So Van Winkle's just—I kind of felt like high. a stalker. He was down on the field before the game and uh, just followed him for about twenty minutes. That guy, Hassel. I'm thinking about writing like a really long column about this. I think he is already like in the Hoiberg realm of Iowa State people. Hoiberg, Niang, Purdy, like he's and I, and I think if depending on how his NFL career goes, he he could surpass those. It, it's just like rock star status around there. It's crazy. The amount Even of people, with the three game losing skit? Yeah, how they don't care. The amount of people who go to Iowa State games now and like Iowa State gear for them is a Purdy jersey is crazy. Like, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like well, that guys, was good to see him come back. I mean, he's just a good guy, too. He is. That's, that's why the best I love thing him. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad Anyways. to see that Van Wink was close to his hero. Yeah. Could you smell his could... cologne? What did he smell like, <laughs> Van Winkle? I uh, didn't get that close, but it was kind of funny how they, like, brought him onto the field. Well, they had him on the field pregame, but they also brought him out between the first and the second quarter, and they waited to, like, the very last minute to just, like, rush him out there. You're, you're like talking about him court. like he's like Mike the Tiger, like some kind of mascot. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, they brought him out there after the first quarter, then they put him back in his cage, and then they put then they brought him out again. It was definitely the loudest it got in Jack Trace Stadium, right, Chris? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That was about the only thing to yeah. cheer about in the first half. Yep. That, yep. That's for sure. Talk a lot about that. Um, Iowa, out Iowa, at Northwestern over the weekend. Iowa State with a... Uh, disappointing loss to Kansas. Hassel returning from Athens. Were you at a better game than I thought you would? I didn't get. Yeah, the, I didn't watch it. I listened to you for a little bit when I was walking to the stadium. But Missouri, pretty good football team. Man, Missouri had a chance to win that game. They had the ball yeah. midfield, first and ten, down six with seven minutes to go, and just shit the bed. Uh, Brady Cook threw an interception to a defensive tackle at the line of scrimmage. Threw it right between the seven and the eight of this 330-pound defensive tackle. Rumbled the other way, and that was it. Missouri just made a, just a, too many mistakes to to be able to knock off a team like Georgia. But it was a it was a really good game. Missouri's good. Like they might win out and go to a New Year's Six game. Uh, where are you at this week? Are you West Coast again? No, this week I'm going to uh, Texas A&M. Who do they have? Mississippi State. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were last week. I told you I was doing Georgia Missouri, and you're like, oh, that's not very good. Well, I was trying to encourage you. It doesn't sound like a great game, but I was trying to encourage you. So I was like, oh, great, have fun. Yeah, I knew you'd shit all over this matchup. It's going to be interesting though, especially if they have trouble in that game because Jimbo is on thin ice at mm-hmm. A&M. And if they struggle with Mississippi State, they're I think they're 5 and 4 right now. Oof. Could get ugly in the stadium. I want to I want to go to the old midnight yell and are see what those it? guys are uh cuz it's always interesting what they come up with. These just ridiculous insults. 
Are you going to go? No, I'm not going to go. All right. Um, who do we want to go? We want to start with Iowa or Iowa State this week. Iowa won. We'll start with them. Okay. Boy, that was a humdinger <laughs> in in Wrigley Field. Hey, credit to where it's due. Game on the line. You know, our our guy Deke, Big Deke Energy, completes a pass to we've. What have we had? Three or four instant reaction uh, emergency podcasts in the history of Iowa everywhere. One of them was when Caleb Brown committed to the Hawkeyes. It's a first his first reception on November fourth. Big one. It was. Hawkeyes. I mean, let's be Northwest. honest. That was more about the pass. It was a really good pass. Anybody could have caught that ball. But look, it's it's not pretty. It's not even it's not even palatable, really. <laughs> but Iowa continues to find ways to win. And it, look, you gotta give them credit for that. Goal line stand. Made that was the plays. The look, Didn't you feel like it when when that goal line stand happened and Northwestern couldn't get anything? It's like that's how I felt at least. You, you only yeah, get, I, against I, these bad teams, they get one or two chances against Iowa to do something. If they don't do anything, if they come away with zero, it's all but over. It was interesting that uh, Tory Taylor really had a horrible punt there toward the end of that game and gave Northwestern an extremely short field near the red zone. I think they got the ball and then scored a touchdown to tie that up. But yeah, Deke got to open it up, make the big play and field goal kicker comes through with a 50 plus yard field goal to win the game. I mean, look, um, (laughs) I thought that they would score 20 points. I don't know why I, I even said, I don't know why. I just thought something like that would happen out of the bye week and Brian Ferentz getting quote-unquote fired after the season, like a late firing. Clearly nothing is going to change with the offense. They're going to have to squeeze out games like this over and over and over again. But they did it. And now they're in first place by themselves in the division. And once again, I mean... What a day for the West. Oh, my God. This is like the West saving its Mona Lisa for last. You've got one last hurrah, and, man, the West is going out with a banger. Because it's been bad. But this is as bad as it's ever been. And I feel bad for even comparing this division to the Big 12 North. (laughs) Like, I, I apologize to the Big 12 North. Because this division is so much worse than the Big 12 North ever was. You look at the the losses that, that these guys suffered in this division, and give Iowa credit, they won, and they beat a Northwestern team. But look, I was looking at the numbers. I mean, look at the, look at the conference records of, of these teams. Indiana was 0-5 in conference play. They beat Wisconsin. Michigan State, 0-5 in conference play. They beat Nebraska. Illinois was 1-4, and they won at Minnesota. Those three teams combined 1-14 in conference play heading into that day, and they sweep their games. And now with... Click on Minnesota's schedule the rest of the way. Van Huynh, because Minnesota has the tiebreaker. Look, they still have to go to Ohio State. I think Iowa, if they go two and one in these last three games, they're going to get to Indy. That's great. Is it? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> I, I I would I, love I, to know where the fan base is at on that now. I, I mean, I still think most of the fans would be happy with that. Yeah, I, I want them to yeah, get I mean, there. Yeah. I want them to win the division because the bottom line is you want you win the division. Like that's that's the goal. And it's always the goal. Look, whatever happens in that conference championship game happens. It might be another just embarrassment. I, I don't know. There'd be all the talk nationally that week leading up would be about how bad Iowa is. Who are you going to play? Is it going to be Michigan? 
Ohio State. Penn State still has a slim chance. Michigan Mich- finally plays somebody this week. Yeah. They've got to go to Happy Valley, right? Yeah, Michigan, Penn State coming up this week. Uh, I think the line's like five, I thought is what I saw. Michigan one. minus five? Yeah. Which I don't know. That Penn State playing pretty good football right now. ESPN has it at three and a half. The Rutgers-Iowa game sets another new record. The number, okay, Circa right now is at 29. I saw it at 28 and a half last night. So somebody, somebody's pounding the over in that Iowa-Rutgers game. I would it, <clears throat> definitely play the under in this game. How can you not at this point? It just keeps going under, and it it's not even getting that close. No, because you look at these Iowa games, and you just, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the Three minutes to go in the first quarter, 0-0 every week. It just feels the exact same way. I was getting text updates from my dad because I, I I didn't even have the game on my laptop. I didn't want to be distracted by that mad mess. And just the F-bombs that he was letting go. He's like, Hill, he fumbled again. Oh, God damn it. He threw another interception. Beth Getz needs to go down there at halftime and tell... Kirk, he's fired unless he benches Deacon Hill. And how about this? Joey Labus third string now. What? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Third string behind uh, old Marco. The There's young no kid. way Labus is back next year. No. I mean, he, he... That poor bastard. He must have already, like, picked out the place he's going. Like, he's... And Kirk Ferentz obviously knows that and isn't going to play him unless it's an emergency. But now well, I want to see, I want to see Marco in practice. Yeah, what's this guy doing? Because there's, are you you telling me he's doing things worse than Deacon Hill in practice? Well, and Kirk Ferentz said just a week or two ago, there's a clear one, there's a clear two. Joey Labus at the time. And there's a clear three. So this guy was a clear three. He was a clear step below Joey Labus. Good news, though. Yeah? Deacon Hill, after the game, told our friend David Eichel. <laughs> he says, I acknowledge that it might not be fast enough for people outside of the building. Again, I feel like he's directly targeting you. Anytime these people <laughs> in Iowa make comments like this, I'm like, they're talking to hassle. <laughs> but this offense... We are growing each week. Well, that's just not true. The offense is not getting better, is it? Have have, have you seen an improvement in the offense? No, no. It's the it's the same every I mean, week. Northwestern's really bad too. Yes, so it's, it's not like it's consistent. It's consistently horrific. I could at least say with like Minnesota after y'all lose that game, we can all hate him. Flex a good coach. He's not stupid. He knew yeah. what he was doing in that game. This Northwestern team is just kind of, they're, they're not very good. I thought the quote was funny, though, because he said, I acknowledge that it might not be fast enough for people outside the building. You know what that insinuates? That it is fast enough for everyone in the building. That everyone in the building is fine with how things are going. I don't think that's exactly what he meant. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there, but that's what he said. He's insinuating that this offense is fine. Everybody in here is fine with it. It's just you guys who have a problem with it. <laughs> uh, we did. Get, we saw Cooper DeGene on offense. We've been calling for that yeah. for two years. I, it was great to see. Um, we want more of that in the future. Gotta yeah, see more of that. Bring more. Even of that. even if he's used as a decoy, like there was one play he didn't he didn't touch the ball. But he was used kind of as a decoy, and it opened up some space. I, you could tell there were some eye, there were some more eyes on him from those Northwestern defenders, and it opened up a little bit of space, and they got a few more yards. But like, I heard Kirk Ferentz after the game; he was asked about it, and it sounded like he doesn't want any part of this. He was like, "Well, you know, we're pretty good on defense, pretty good on special teams." Can't afford to, you know, we got to be smart about it. We can't afford to to lose our best player on offense. Like, it's almost like 
he, he's made some kind of deal with Brian. Yes, you can use him for three plays, but he can only <laughs> touch the ball on one of them. He has to be a decoy on the other two. Like the way he responded, it makes me think that we might not see him on offense again. So my dad came to my camper uh, on, we were watching the Iowa game inside my camper. Your dad was watching the Iowa game with you? Yeah. Yeah. Just, was he firing up the old, the cat rubbing his ass on the carpet? He always, he always <laughs> no, tweets he had, that gif. He was the being only very he rational. How to tweet. He was being very rational about this and he made a, he made a really interesting point. One that we've kind of tossed around here, but you know, like when your dad says something and it's just so like surface level, but then you think about it, you're like, God damn, that's a really good point. Cause we were talking about how the whole Brian Ferentz getting fired thing happens. And my dad was like, is there a chance that he's actually a good coach and his old man's just held him back so badly? And it's he, possible. He, and my dad was like insinuating, like, is there a, like a chance that Brian Ferentz will like revolt and write like a tell-all book about this someday? <laughs> no. About how it ruined his career. No, he didn't say that, but I, we were we were just wondering, like, and you brought that up about DeGene, and it was you're like, wonder how much pushback Brian's actually like giving. Like, God, Dad, come on. Come I on, wonder Dad. too. But then I think to the press conferences, like when he yeah. faces the media the and how bad it's been. Yeah. Like what what if you like why not why not have a quarterback that could at least extend the play a couple more seconds? Well, what what why? Well, if the receiver's not open, the receiver's not open. What's the upside? Nothing better is going to happen. Might as well just go down. <laughs> it's like My he's never watched another team. The it we were in some sort of a punt streak between Northwestern and Iowa in the first half in that game. And the color guy, was it Burmeister? I think it was Burmeister. The play-by-play guy was Burmeister, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The color guy, I think it Whoever was, the- was it Jake Butt? It, it was, it, it was some former, um, it was some former Big Ten I just, tight end. I love these. And I know like your guys' job's different than like what we do here. When you're calling a game, you're supposed to be neutral and for the most part positive because you don't yes. you don't want to just talk about how shitty these teams like why would people want to watch if the guys who are calling the game are I, I understand all of it. It was funny. One of them was like, Hey, you know, in this case, punting really is winning. Both of these teams <laughs> believe that today. And it's just like, oh, oh God. Oh, Hawks got the win in the driver's seat to play Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Big Ten championship game. Kyle Rudolph, by the way, our our uh, listeners are saying was the I knew it was a tight end. Oh, okay. Kyle Rudolph was the color commentator, but Burmeister was on the call for the game. Yeah, um, God, and they should really they should be eight and one if not for the bad call on yeah. the. On the punt return for Cooper DeGene. If they are, they're definitely Brian Ferentz did not get fired. If they're yeah, I don't think right? so either. I, I at least not yet. Now, I don't think that would change what would happen at the end of the season. I think at the end of the season, he'd be gone. But I don't know that that would have come out on the bye week. Oh, Zach Oden chiming in wasn't a bad call. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it. Going back to that, and we're talking about the Cooper DeGene invalid signal. If it was called on the field, yeah, fine, whatever. The fact that they had to go to replay, I can't believe we're going back to this. No, yeah, it's, we all get for it. me. It was just the fact that they had they they went to replay and they weren't even reviewing that at first, and they said that they they were taking the angle from overhead, and that's how they could see it. Like, come on. If it wasn't called on the field, it shouldn't be overturned like that. But that's so that's then we the had past. the opposite happen this weekend. Yeah, Jesus, what a what a oh God! That was a terrible call in Ames. Terrible. I mean, you see the Jake Bren video of that from the sideline, and you see that he wasn't even close. Like there were several inches between where his foot was and the out of bounds line. Yeah, th- this wasn't a judgment type call. This was. I mean, look at this in slow motion. Good shot by ABC5. So I think what happened was you see the official that ruled him out. He gets blocked by the Kansas player who dives. 
and there's like a split second where the Kansas player is on the ground in front of him and he's blocking the view of Noel's feet. And so the official just like, for some reason, assumes that his feet are out of bounds. And once you blow a play dead, that can't be reviewed. Correct. And the um, the explanation Iowa State got, I, from what I understand, late into the night, was, I mean, just going to have to be a teaching type of moment for the official because you... You, you don't you don't blow a whistle based on an assumption is what mm-hmm. you're taught, right? And this guy, clearly the only reason he blew that whistle is because he assumed mm-hmm. Jaywin Knoll stepped out. Because I, I had asked some people, is this going to be an apology letter type thing? And they were like, no, probably not. But that that was what they were given. It really changed the game because that – we can get into Iowa State now. They – I have a lot of opinions on this. But they they were so bad offensively early on. That place was dead, Chris. And, you know, I think back to last year, right? How many dropped passes just where you're like, somebody step up and make a play and win one of these close games. It's the It was the exact opposite of what Cooper DeGene has done with Iowa. How many times has Cooper DeGene stepped up and made a huge play in these – low possession, boring defensive games, right? And last year, Iowa State never had a guy who could do that. And this year, Jaywin Noll did that. It was a really great individual effort, probably took seven points off the board, and then that place was just dead after it. You know, and who knows? It, Iowa State was fortunate. Kansas missed a couple of field goals, right? Like, it, it could have been a much... Uh, more difficult game for Iowa. When they were down 18, I mean, it could have been 24, something like that at that mm-hmm. point. So we, We've both said, you said it there, and I, and I said it on Saturday night, that that call changed the game. And, and I believe it did. I'm not saying it changed the outcome of the game. No, yeah. And I don't think that's what you're saying either. No, it's not. It, it changed the course of the game. The game would have been a lot different if Iowa State's not playing from way behind. But Kansas was great. Kansas had an answer for everything Iowa State did. All the momentum in the world on Iowa State's side after they cut that game down to, what, three yes. late? Yep. Place is rocking. Then they threw that 80-yard bomb. Oh, my God. One Leipold's play. a really good coach, man. Mm-hmm. That guy is top 10 in the country. There's no doubt in my mind. If you know about his background, he's a legend at D3. Goes to Buffalo, wins MAC championships. He's a really good coach. Yeah, and he targeted Jeremiah Cooper's spot, who was out of the lineup for Iowa State. Pretty big drop off between Cooper and the next guy, and Leipold exposed him in that sense. So this was my beef with Iowa State. I think Chris that they got a little bit complacent with their running game in the last couple of games. They've been able to run the football against Cincinnati, against Baylor, against you know all these teams that they've beaten in this winning streak. And I, I really think they looked at this with Kansas being, I think, like 110th-ranked rush defense in the country going into this game. And they went into this game and thought, we're going to be able to bully these guys. And I think it's a really harsh lesson. Like So like, oh, yeah, the line's playing better. You're able to... No, you're still not good enough up front to be able to do that to anybody because the first half looked a lot to me like it did against Iowa, against Ohio. Mm-hmm. And then they opened things up in the second half, and look what happened. The running game got better. You know, they're running for six, eight yards a pop in the second half. Rocco Beck's th- it took them too long. They got back to their stubborn ways where they felt – like they could do something and you know, hopefully they learn from it. I'm hoping that BYU has a terrible rush defense, but no. Iowa State hasn't proven that they can go hat on hat up front with anybody this year. They need no. help. At least not to start. Yeah. Yeah. They need help at the beginning and you gotta spread that field out and soften up these defenses because they're just not good enough up front yet to 
you know, to be able to just go hat on hat and run up the middle. And it, and it did, and it opened up. And, you know, if that game has another quarter, Iowa State probably wins, but that's not how football is played. you mm-hmm. got to play for four of them. And, and, and I, Campbell made a big mistake at the end of the first half and didn't even realize it, which is stunning to me. He could have called timeout ahead of that Kansas field goal attempt with about a minute 15 left and save a minute 15 for the offense. He waited until, geez, I think he waited a good 25 seconds. I wrote it down here. Um, Yeah, wasted about 25 seconds calling that and not calling the timeout right away. So Kansas misses the field goal and Iowa State moves it right down the field. Yes, it was a good drive. They get it down to the inside the 20-yard line, but there's only 10 seconds left and they can only run one play. If you call that timeout and save the extra 25 seconds, all of a sudden you have all kinds of time to run several plays inside that that red zone. And the way they were moving the ball, they they probably get in and score. And so I, I noticed that at the end of the first half. A ton of fans noticed that as well. So, of course, that was one of the questions Campbell was asked after the game. And he said, I don't, I don't even recall. Like, I don't, hmm. I don't remember that. I'm, I, I can't give you an answer there because I, I don't. I wonder if he has a clock guy. A lot of these coaches have if a guy. He, there's no way he does. Yeah, if I he mean, did, the clock guy would have been right in his ear. You've got to call timeout right now and save. Save. Because he eventually realized it. Because they eventually did call timeout and they saved maybe 10 seconds. Kansas could have run more of the play clock and game clock off. But... I mean, that's just that's just simple. It's simple stuff. It was fourth and long. Mm-hmm. Like the, it wasn't like Kansas was going to go for that because that's the only explanation I, I I I could understand is well, you know, we're worried that Kansas goes for it if we if we save too much time, Kansas goes for it, and then they might you know get a first down and go down and score a touchdown if we. Let that time run off, and Kansas just settles for a field goal attempt. I I don't think that was the case though, because he did not. He had no idea what what the reporter was asking him after the game. I'm sure he does now after going back and watching it. Yeah, I'm sure what he regrets it. Most fans crazy is, you know, you're in the fourth quarter down double digits, and you're not snapping the ball until eight seconds are left on the play clock. Oh, and that we saw that earlier in the year against Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of had an excuse, and I actually understood it at the time because it was like, God, you got all these fresh. They, physically, they they're not good enough to do it. Eh, you're in November now. Like fans want to see a little urgency, right? Let's get up to the, get those plays in, get moving, and it just, yeah, I don't know. They made too many mistakes, man. There was a pick six. Oh my God! You, yeah, you know, like. Here's the thing. Is Iowa State a better football team than we thought they would be at this point? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. But they're still not good enough to give up a pick six, um, to really not 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 run the football effectively at all for three quarters of the game. Especially to, against a good team like Kansas. Yeah, give up big plays like they did. Yeah, that, that's my point. Like, it, Yeah, it's home and it's a night game, but you're still not good enough to just limp your way through these wins and Kansas to their credit that's a they got a corner who you'll be talking about him when your NFL draft coverage comes around Kobe Bryant he completely locked down Jaden Higgins which I think kind of got in the head of Rocco Beck just a little bit early in that football game because he was completely locked out of it and I think it really it's just a realistic I, after I watched the game back last night late last night Iowa State's a again a much better team than I thought they would be, but they're still not. They are a middle of the pack Big Twelve team, maybe in a little tier up up above that. But like the teams they've beaten and they've beaten them handily and they've done, eh, you know, and hopefully BYU will fly into that. But Kansas, I think, is a step above Iowa State. I think it's pretty clear. 
in my opinion, a lot of a lot of Iowa State fans, you know, you want to just blame your team. I think Kansas to me was considerably better, especially on the defensive end, than I thought they were going to be in person. There was no doubt Kansas was the better team yeah. Saturday night. No question. Now, if I if these teams played ten times, I don't think Kansas would win like eight of them. I think mm-hmm. it'd be closer than that. But you just Chris, that pick six, it's like this was an even game. One team made a mistake like that, the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. You know? That's that's kind of how I look at you just can't do that stuff. And the games Iowa State has won, Rocco Beck has been turnover free. The games he has lost, he has not been. You look at the Iowa and the Kansas games, two pick sixes, one possession games at the end of the game. Yeah. Special teams is better. They've cleared all that up. They're really good on that end. And, you know, this this was unfortunate, too, that they had some injuries in the secondary, and you're going up against an offensive coach like Leipold that absolutely exposed those guys. Well, the good news is they're about to play one of the worst teams in the conference. BYU is terrible, like dreadful. You've seen what they've done the last two games. I think they have one touchdown the last two games. Matt, can you do me a favor here? Will you look up? Google Keldon Slovis and see if what his Keaton Slovis Keaton Slovis yeah see what his expectations are because you're right they've so this line Chris opened at four and a half as an Iowa State favorite in a matter of like two hours Iowa State was a touchdown seven point favorite in this BYU game no see if he's good at what his injury status is Matt that's what I'm looking for because did he play last week no he didn't play at West Virginia. He's been out for a couple of weeks now. Okay. And those are the games they've gotten just absolutely shellacked. Yeah. Still, this game's weird, Chris, because you're flying west and yeah. the altitude and all that stuff. And they've got great fans. Like, yeah. I have no doubt they'll pack the stadium and it'll be a great atmosphere. But still, I mean, BYU is not good. And there's a reason Iowa State's favored. They're the better, they're the better team. Uh, geez. Okay, that would no on November fourth, so a couple of days ago. Head coach Kalani Sataki said that uh, Keaton is day to day, week to week. <laughs> so that was, and that was after these, the game. These football coaches are just a bunch <laughs> of liars. I mean, these guys. I tell you what. All right, I want to thank a couple of our great sponsors. Jeez, Van Wink popped in here, and you just—I was just gonna oh. say we're all, we're all day to day, right? Isn't that what the saying truth. We're all dated. Got to fly the drone. Did you see uh, me flying the drone yeah. on Friday? It was badass. And you flew it right over the uh, the Amish benches. Are, yeah, are they, we did. We. This what is, a, is going on here? Are the Amish benches, um, they're, like, they're like rabbits. They're multiplying. <laughs> so we, uh, this is footage of three me flying of them now. the Terraplex Ag drone. So that's the teeny tiny little one. They brought the ones that are actually like the crop sprayers out too. Yeah. And these things are freaking awesome, man. They, the one thing I learned, so you got a little, your little computer screen, right? Mm-hmm. And you could tell, you tell the thing GPS wise where to fly and it does it on its own and it'll oh. spray. We accidentally, you'll love this. So we had it all locked in and there's that tree line behind me in the video. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go spray it because they were showing me how it works. Well, this lady walked by with her dog, and we didn't know she was going to. And this woman and her dog just got an absolute Terraplex ag drone shower. What? She got soaked. With what? What were you spraying on her? Water. <laughs> oh. We were spraying water, not chemicals. I, yeah, I but- thought you had chemicals in that. <laughs> Wait, how does that thing... It looks really small. How can it hold much that's liquid. the small one there's the i don't know if we have video of the, the yeah, look at those things they got tanks of water under them. look at those things huh yeah it was freaking awesome man so if you're a farmer out there and you're in the market for a drone spray remember our buddies at terraplex next, ag next time load those up with acid and just dump them on the, the amish benches and disintegrate them <laughs> yeah so i asked the guy because they got a they got a photo and i said do you think you could get aerial footage of Bloom's Amish benches. And that's where that, that's where that, it, but it looks like there's a little like bullseye on it that looks like they're about to bomb. Yeah. 
one of so, those Amish benches. So it's so there's more than just the Amish bench. I see Amish chairs and an Amish yeah, table. Yeah, there were Amish chairs. I'd never seen the chairs before. Like yeah. Amish Adirondack chairs. You know what's hilarious? So they did this trick-or-treat thing in the RV lot. We're walking around, and this woman comes up to me, and I'm dressed like a Ghostbuster, but she's a big fan of the show. And she goes, I'm literally just here because I wanted to see the Amish benches. <laughs> she goes, I had to see if these things are real, which I thought was pretty funny. Van Wink, you got the picture of, the, uh, of my pool? A lot of people fell for this. <laughs> I don't actually have the real Amish gliders. I, I photoshopped that. Yeah, but I've got a tiny We Will oh. Amish glider uh, popsicle stick oh. bench That's that was adorable. sent to me. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know who sent it. My guess is Crystal Bloom, as always. But I like how it has the We Will insignia on it. I, I do... I do wish it had the uh, Brent Bloom signature. Well, maybe when you come back to Iowa, you can bring it and Bloom can autograph it for you. you. Can, I, I want it engraved. Can like you put, the, uh, put that on your mantle behind you with all the Iowa stuff? How, it's so small, you won't even be able to see it. How many different We Will benches and chairs, I'm sorry, Amish benches and chairs are there? Because well, every time we see photos, like there's more and more of them. Yet they haven't sold a single one. Like, what is going on? From what I understand, Bloom there's supposed has like to be supply and demand. There's supply. There's no demand. <laughs> Who's demanding more Amish gliders? So you, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What were you gonna say? I don't even know. Where are they? Uh, think, what is going on? How many I think are there? Six of them exist. Six? There are <laughs> six signature series Amish gliders. Yeah, because like, there's a Walters one, there's a Heft one, there's a Bloom one. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's the signature series. <laughs> what? I don't Wait. have one. There's no Williams one. So if Wait. you're wanting to buy one, I know the phones are blowing up over at the We Will office. There's no, there's no Chris Hassel one either. So where are they? Where do they keep I don't know. them? I don't know. One of them's in front of Bloom's house. I have to see it every so day. So he has the Bloom Signature Series one. Walters probably has the Walters Signature Series one. I and there's still Walters is going to put that thing in his house. Is there a way we can track like how you know many what we need are available? We need to get one of those Teraplex Ag drones to just survey <laughs> Central Iowa. They yeah. have the heat seekers. Uh, Ronald McDonald seeker. Oh, an Amish seeker. Just type in Amish. It will go find everything Amish made in central Iowa. Because we've given them so much shit that you know if they, if they sold any of this stuff, <laughs> they would tell us. So you know that it has not happened. And they also, still haven't lowered the price. What is it, what is it like $3,000 <laughs> for an Amish Adirondack chair? Brandon says he's going to buy the stupid shit just so that we stop talking about it. <laughs> or you can do the four interest free payments of 470 or 75. <laughs> don't worry, you don't have to pay it all at once. There's 17 easy payments of 47475. I have my uh Second annual Fairway Festival of Meats on Saturday. We had... Is this like an so, official thing? Uh, it's official that me and my two buddies do. Oh, okay. Once a year now. Look at all this meat that we made. We had an... Fairway gave us an 18-pound brisket. I see you got some nice J-curve dongs in the lower right. Yep. Got the brats. We had three racks of meaty baby back ribs. We had the little Texas Twinkies. We had a pork shoulder. We had the um, wonderful brisket that, that Cooper did a phenomenal job with. He started cooking that thing at 10 o'clock Friday night, pulled it off the grill at about noon on Saturday. And again, the, the theme of the week 
The theme of the weekend is if it didn't have a mother, it's not welcome at our tailgate. Wow. No vegetables, no carbs, only meat. <laughs> Thanks Looks to our pretty good. At Fairway. It was good. We 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 had a lot of leftovers. I got an entire styrofoam thing up there. Look at that cutting that meat right there. Well, so mm. so then my dad tweeted out a picture of a big uh ribeye, like a bone-in ribeye. Mhm. And any tag well, he didn't tag you because he doesn't know how to do that, but he wrote Chiz Williams again. <laughs> and he is such a liar. It's unbelievable what this guy will do. He didn't get it from Fairway. Yet in the comments, right underneath his post, he write he wrote something like, Mmm, great ribeye from Fairway. Spelled Love Fairway the wrong. Fairway meats. He spells fairway wrong. Spells it like a fairway on the golf course. <laughs> and just flat out lies. And I I told you about it. And, hey, and you refused to call him out. I believe I'm going to go to Don's Christmas bash on the 22nd. <laughs> Can I invite my dad? No. Pretty quick no. <laughs> your, dear, your dad's going to, he has no way he's going to go all the way across the state of Iowa to I feel like it'd be a really entertaining time for all of us. I'll join in, road trip. Oh, there's no oh, way Van Wink's going to be able Don to Hassel peel himself says he's away from. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, let's, let's keep plugging away here. Two guys named Chris, Iowa everywhere. Let's do our bigger, better, bolder segment from our friends at Kelderman Manufacturing. Bigger, better, bolder. Powered by Kelderman Manufacturing. Always. My favorite part about those is to the to the naked ear. Most of our listeners don't know that's Van Winkle. I always used to do that with like Ross Peterson and Andrew Downs when I worked at KXNO. Or like these, some of these commercials are their voice that they've just distorted it to make it sound yeah. different. But if you know the people, you can always tell. Yes. Did I do a live read? Bigger, better, bolder. Powered by <laughs> Kelderman Manufacturing. Van Winkle, are you a tilted brim guy? Tilted? You, yeah, you got. You're all tilted. Oh, you're I not. Didn't mean hey, to you be. got the Jays hat on. Jays are going to the Woo! dome. Let's go, Blue Jays. They're going to the dome, really? Bondurant, baby. Bondurant? Wait, but it's Bondurant and Farrar, right? Uh, Farrar is... You're stealing <laughs> from Farrar. Farrar is... Yeah. The only thing Farrar has ever done for anybody is they have that haunted elementary school. <laughs> Hassel, who are you nominating this week? Uh, my triple B... Is a guy who you were you were burying six mm. feet deep earlier this season, Mike Man. Gundy. How about this turnaround for the Cowpokes? Phenomenal, Mike Gundy. I mean, horrible start to the season. Iowa State beats him to start Big Twelve play, and they haven't lost since. They're tied for first. They win their fifth straight, and it's the final bedlam. Look at those uniforms too. Beautiful. Oh, those are sharp. They beat Oklahoma in the very last bedlam. They're not going to play this anymore because Oklahoma's leaving for the money in the SEC and they don't want to play this game out of conference. Oklahoma State, 27-24 winners, 7-2 overall, 5-1 in conference play. The, just so impressive how he has completely turned the season around. It's, it's, it's a lot like what... Matt Campbell did it at Iowa State, but mm -hmm. next level. Well, the thing, too, is just think back to when they left Ames. You were, you were wondering if he'd even make it through the season. Yeah, who did is they that, lose to in the – they had, didn't they have an South ugly non-conference? Oh, my God. They, and they, oh, they, they lost like 35 to 7. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Yeah, no, he's been fantastic, and I will I will gladly 
eat crow on that one because I like Gundy. I think he's great for this new Big Twelve. I hope he's there for a long time. I and I I had buried him. I thought he was done. I didn't think he could win in this new area era. A little bit like my feelings on Dabo. There's some guys that are if you're so vocal towards you know the change against it, then I don't really feel that sorry for you. Have to learn to evolve, and mm-hmm. I don't know if Gundy's evolving when it comes to that, but I do know that he is a hell of a football coach and the, and what he's done X's and O's wise with this group in the last month and a half is nothing short of phenomenal. He is the big 12 coach of the year. I thought two weeks ago, I would have voted Venables a week ago. I would have voted Campbell. Hmm. Now I would vote Mike Gundy. Yeah. Venables in Oklahoma's completely fallen off here. The longer <sighs> this season goes. Yeah, Texas now the only hope for the college football playoff. If they win out, I think Texas has a great shot of getting into Check the playoff. Check this out. Van Winkle, pull up Oklahoma State's schedule real quick for us. We could, I could basically tell you that it will be Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. They've done their dirty work. They have to go to UCF, mm. to Houston, and versus BYU the rest of the way. Now, I would argue the UCF game is quite tricky. Mm-hmm. They're only like a two-point favorite in that one, and it would terrify me if I'm an Oklahoma State fan. Yep. But they, I mean that that that's your likely Big Twelve championship game: Oklahoma State versus Texas. Because Oklahoma State's got the tiebreaker over. Yeah, Oklahoma they have it now. over Kansas State. You know, unless Iowa State would win out, that would be one of the scenarios where. Yeah, I, I think they're they're probably going to be in it. I'm going to go with Lance Leipold. Here's my thing. Is it easy to forget in this era where, where we have all these transfers how bad Kansas was like two years ago? Hmm. They were one of the worst programs in the history of college football. They were paying like three coaches' salaries, just one laughing yeah. stock after Remember another. Remember the Les Miles experiment? Yeah. Think about all that. That Dave Beatty, they were paying him like $285,000 oh there for a while, whatever it was. <laughs> this was two, their 2001-21 schedule. Thank you for pulling this up, Matt. And they had that upset win over Texas in, in overtime. The only Big 12 win they had that year. Yeah, and they're just getting killed in most of these games. This is two years ago. Iowa State beat them 59-7? to Yes. Jeez. Ironically, Jason Bean started that game for Texas or for Kansas. Hmm. That was a Brock Purdy game. So I, I just I think that it's possible in this era where there's so much turnover. I don't know if the turnaround is getting enough credit. That's a good point. Because we just see quicker turnarounds and we become right. a little more immune to it. Matt, who are you going with this week, buddy? I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it, man. Your Vikings. Holy cow. Josh Dobbs comes in as the Jeez, yeah. well, got traded to Minnesota. Didn't really know the playbook. and yeah, It was incredible. Unbelievable. Let him down to a, a two-minute drive at the end of the game to take the lead over the Falcons. And that was a really cool story. There was he like, wasn't even supposed to play. No. There was video of like him when, I think when the uh, Hall, is that his name? Jared Hall. Yeah. Got went down. He was like warming up on the sidelines, like trying to get the cadence with the offensive line. <laughs> like in <laughs> he, real, he'd time, only been there five days. Unbelievable, really. Cool. I also I, think too, and you guys are gonna it, at some point. You can tell me to quit talking about play callers, and but I, I still believe there's an aspect of if you're a good enough play caller and you have a good enough offensive scheme, your quarterback, as long as he's accurate, matters much less. And I think this was a great example. Well, and he they, played I mean, eight. Had, he started eight games for the Cardinals, so he obviously, you know, he had game reps. It wasn't like he was coming in cold. It's like turkey. his seventh team in the last year. I thought I read or fifth team <laughs> in the last year, something. Yeah, crazy fifth like. team in the last two seasons. This season and last season, I think it's five different teams: okay. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Arizona, and now Minnesota. That it it is maddening as a Vikings fan too, because I I can objectively sit here and tell you that I think they're playing like one of the top five or six teams in the league right now. Their defense is good, but they just, I don't know, like what's realistic without Cousins? Probably not much, but that was certainly a fun, refreshing story to watch that play out on Sunday. Well, college basketball season starts tonight, Hassel. Jeez, that's crazy. It always interests me, too. 
I'm always really ready for it. I think it's probably because I've had bad Iowa State football the majority of my mm. life. I'm never ready for it. Yeah, and it's di- Iowa fans. I think just approach it differently. It's it's fascinating. I'll so be you're there. ready. I'm going, oh, I'm ready. Yeah, I, I like crossover season. I can do both. I can do both, baby. Let's go. Um. So we've got <clears throat> Iowa State playing tonight. The Iowa Green women Bay. are playing tonight. Iowa State women tip off in an hour and a half from right now. Really? Why are they playing so early? Kids Day, man. Who are they playing? Butler. Like a real opponent. Hmm. Okay. And then You're, the Iowa you, men don't play until tomorrow night. Correct. All right. Quick predictions for the season. Iowa State men anywhere. How specific do you want me to be? Just like 30,000 feet. How, how does the season play Three out? to five seed in the NCAA tournament. Three to five seed. Wow. Okay. So I'm you're, high you're, on you're you are bullish. Yeah, I think they're going to be really good. Now, I, I don't know if you're going to necessarily see it until big. T- they're just younger, right? There's It's different than the last couple of years where you had all these old guys. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a little more time for them this year, but their talent level is so much better than the last two years. Sure. I think that they're going to be really good. Going to be a different style of basketball. Yeah. Be able to score some points, not have to yeah, grind out as many wins. Yeah, I just don't think you're going to see any of those games where they're winning in the low 50s. And uh-huh. Stuff. Which is, I'll, I'll take that. Some of those games were tough to watch. Um, Iowa men, I got to be honest, man. I feel bad even making a prediction. I just don't know enough about them. But I, I would venture to think that they're more like an NIT team this year. Yeah, there, there's just not... There's not the star. There's not the big name. Sanford's the best player. Uh, his younger brother is there now. Uh, I don't think it's fair to expect them to make the NCAA tournament, but I think they'll challenge for it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I mean, it, it no, seems like there, there haven't agree. been high expectations for this team for, um, what, three years? And each year they seem to get into the tournament. So I I think that's that's the bar right there. I think they're going to be right around it. I think they'll be around a bubble team. And if if they make the tournament, that's uh, overachieving. Go back if you guys are interested in Iowa. I interviewed Jess Settles a couple weeks ago, and I did learn a lot about the mm-hmm. team talking to Jess. And it's not dated. You guys can go back and listen to that if you're jonesing for a little hoops talk. Iowa's, they just got to have somebody step up and be the man. And is that Perkins? Is that Sanford? I don't know. But they've always, you know, the last few years, you just have crunch time. You know who's getting the ball. It's going to one of the Murrays. Let's pound it into Luca. They just don't really have that guy. I feel like Perkins is the one to me where it's like, when he's been good, he's been yeah. really, really good. He's a difference maker. Yeah, can he do that more consistently? Uh, to me, yeah. that's the season for Iowa. If that's a yes, I think they'll probably make the tournament. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I hope he does. Right, right now, I'm looking at Sanford. Has he? He's been that guy at the end of games that yeah. has made the big shots. Um, Iowa women. Mm. Will they be I a fear one? There seed? is a. I mean, if the bar is the Final Four, that's tough, right? It's it's really hard to predict tournament success as well. Like I, I think it's it, it's more fair to try to predict like what kind of seed they'll be in the tournament. And I think the line is will they get a one seed? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I would say no too. I think that they'll be two or three. I mean, I the the hype is. The hype in the bar is really difficult because yes, they have Caitlin Clark, the best player in the in the in the game, but everybody's gunning for you. There's some really good teams in the Big Ten. And can you do it night in and night out this whole way? I I think if they get a one seed, that's gonna be a great coaching job by Bluter. I don't see this team 
getting back to a national championship game. The hard part is, too, that at the high end of the sport, it was an incredibly active portal offseason. You've got a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of these LSU is clearly the team to beat. UConn has Becker's back. Yeah. That's my point. A lot of those upper echelon teams got a lot better where Iowa Mm -hmm. didn't really add much. Well, I I think you could make the argument that they lost more than they gained. I would agree. Yeah. With Cesano and like you forget how big of a deal she was. So we'll we'll see. Like they're they've recruited well. How can they how can those young players develop? Are they ready Mm -hmm. for the show? We don't we don't really know, but we'll find out. That is again, you said tonight the Iowa women tip off. Iowa women play tonight. I'm going to try and do a um, CW pod coming up on our Valley teams at some point and do a little bit on that for give them a little bit of love coming up here in the next couple of weeks. But Iowa's non-conference is a much more attractive one than Iowa State's. Iowa State, you will they have three games in the next six days. You will not learn much. I yeah, they people, don't play a team with a pulse until Thanksgiving week, right? Yeah, until Florida. And I'll be down there. Will you be? Where are you going to be at? You want to come up to Orlando and watch a game? When is this? Thanksgiving weekend. No, because I'll have a game. I don't know where I'll yeah. be, but I have a football game. That's my last football game that week. I'm going to Orlando. I go that Tuesday of that week. What tournament is that? It's the one of the ESPN ones. It's the one they have at Disney. Okay. Um, they went to the same one a few years ago. I, I called it um, five, six years ago, something like that. It's called the ESPN Events Invitational. It used to have another name. Okay. That That's what it is now. Well, that's so, cool. Yeah. Looking forward to that. All right. Well, nonetheless, this will be a big week. It feels like we got some massive games coming up. Iowa Rutgers is fascinating. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> that game is. And then you have Iowa State playing at 9-15 yeah. kickoff. You'll love this. So I'm on standby. Walters and Heft are going to call that game for the radio network. And then they have a noon tip for basketball on Sunday. Back at Iowa State? Yeah. They're going to try and make it. Why? Because they're badasses, bro. Well, are, is it? A, but they're on the team charter, right? Yes. So they'll get back at like 3 in the morning and then maybe even later than that. My God. it's Who are they playing? Southwest Stain in My Pants Technical College? Yeah, that's exactly it. How did you know? I mean, kids, it's not like they're playing a good team. Doesn't matter, man. Treat every game like it's the same. I guess. More One power to them. But Jesus. I, ugh. That sounds horrible. I did that once. I, I called a Louisiana Tech football game on a Saturday night and had to find a way to get to Tampa for a USF, South Florida, Boston College basketball game that was a noon tip the next day. Mm. And it was horrible horrible i had to drive four and a half hours from northern louisiana down to new orleans slept for an hour barely made the morning flight and got to that got to that game like right before tip i i hardly even remember it i was so tired (laughs) and out of it doing any uh florida atlantic games you're gonna be the voice of the owls again no no because they're too good Mm. they're top 10 team that's 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 above my pay grade I do have a Northern Iowa game on my schedule. Really? Where's that at? That I know. It's 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 in uh, Cedar Falls. Oh, cool. Yeah. It, I can't remember who they're playing, but... Uh, so do yeah. you have, like, your whole schedule? No, I, I have some game. I have, like, I don't know, six games or something like that. My first one is... Uh, it's, like, December 9th or 10th. It's uh, Belmont, Middle Tennessee. Um, That's my only game before the first of the year. Only basketball game. Well, then. See you on Thursday, brother. Okay. Matty Van Winks producing the program as always. Please like us. Uh, hit, hit that uh, approval button. Wow. You You're the only podcast. podcaster that doesn't say smash that like button. Smash that. Do you want me to start button. saying that? Smash it. Just. Just smash it. He's Chris Hassel. My name is Chris Williams. Matt Van Winkle produces the program each and every week. Have a great week, guys. 
everywhere.